Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. Uh, Let's go over the five reasons why the Eagles were able to beat the Jets. Um, First and foremost, Adam Gase. Adam Gase was the number... He should be the number one. I'm putting him at five, but I mean... The game plan that the Jets had on Sunday was fireable. That team was coming off a bye. And I get it. Their starting quarterback was out. Um, Luke Falk is... Not an NFL quarterback. I understand that. Their offense line is horrible. I understand that. But they had no game plan whatsoever. We were starting a guy who's probably not an NFL player himself at corner. Our slot corner, we just picked him up off the street. They could not move the ball. There was no semblance of any type of, of you know, disguise on offense any type of we're going to attack downfield like they just did nothing it was give the ball to Le'Veon Bell and hope good things happen and that just played right into the Eagles strengths I could not believe that this man coached the game he did and then that 55 yard field goal he tried I mean down 14 nothing the one drive where they're actually moving the ball for the first time all game and and he tries to kick a 55 yard field goal I think it was like fourth and five into the wind it would have made it fourteen three. I Adam Gase gets a lot of uh, a lot of flack, and, and rightfully so. I, that man is just not an NFL coach. I, it's it's apparent. I mean, he was fired from Miami. Uh, you could see why, and you know, a lot of people had high hopes from here. I guess in New York, and it just looks terrible. Like that, there was that team was so unprepared offensively against the. I mean, it was. I had never seen really anything like it at the NFL level. They had no chance from the start of the game against a defense that it, it, I've seen every Eagle. We have not stopped any QBs from throwing the football this year. They had no chance. And we weren't playing with a stacked deck. We were playing with, like I said, two corners who weren't playing two weeks ago. They were not in the NFL two weeks ago. It, it just it blew my mind. Um, fourth reason we beat the Jets... Give a shout-out to Zach Ertz. First touchdown of the season. Um, really nobody on offense was in regards to helping us win. It, there was no offensive you know, player from the Eagles that really made us look good. Our offense was terrible. It was a horrible, horrible offensive effort. But if I'm going to pick one person, because we did score 17 points, it'll be Zach Ertz. He got his first touchdown. Um, but that's enough about the offense. They were horrible. Uh, third reason why, Nathan Gary. Nathan Gary going into this year, I just I couldn't recall one play he had ever made. Like I was racking my brain to think of he's been on this team now. This is three years, and I'm thinking, has he ever even come close to making a football play? That dude has two interceptions this year. One in the end zone, preventing a touchdown, and the other he scored a touchdown. Uh, Nathan Gary's been pretty damn good this year. I, I was advocating that he got cut for uh, Singleton to start the year, and. I guess the coaches, sometimes they know a little bit more than you do. Uh, I know he's a Jim Schwartz guy. They love what he does. Uh, Nathan Gary was great. He's been exceeding my expectations this season. He's made more plays at linebacker than anybody else. So, uh, you know what? Good on him. (laughs) Uh, Second reason we won, Brandon Graham. And I know you could go the whole defensive line because 
everybody got a sack because the Jets' offensive line is the worst thing I've ever seen. But Brandon Graham, three sacks. Um, for a unit that's been pretty much invisible all season, to finally sack the quarterback, uh, it was nice to see. Again, everything I say is, you know, I understand who the opponent was, and I'd like to see it, obviously. If they're able to do it again this week against Minnesota, that'll be a completely different story. But Brandon Graham, three sacks. Um, you know, finally, it, it's nice to pressure the quarterback and actually get him to the ground. Uh, for so long, the these pressure numbers, they meant nothing. Quarterbacks were torching us. Everybody was throwing, it looked like, for 350 yards. And, and finally, we didn't have to blitz to get pressure. It was, it was pretty damn cool to see. Uh, number one reason we won that game, how about Orlando Skandrick? Two sacks... A touchdown, I mean, one of the most embarrassing touchdowns I've ever seen. Like, Falk's holding the ball for about 10 seconds in the pocket, and Skandrick just takes it out of his hands and runs it into the end zone. It's something I've never seen at the NFL level. Um, again, Luke Falk, not an NFL quarterback. Um, but Orlando Skandrick, and I mean, he was good in coverage. I mean, not that really there was anything that got he got tested with in that game. I mean, this game was such a hard game to watch and evaluate because, you know, this week we're going to be playing Minnesota. Obviously, Minnesota, much better than the Jets. Uh, we're racked with injuries. So you wanted to see at least what the secondary can give you. And, you know, from what I saw in the All-22, you know, Craig James really, I know nothing happened, but he looked like he got beat a lot in that football game, that if somebody was capable of throwing the football, he would have been, he would have been torched. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Just saying from what I saw, it looked like there was a lot of separation between him and who he was guarding, whether it be, you know, Jamison Crowder or Demarius Thomas. But um, Orlando Skandrick looked pretty good playing in the middle there. I mean, he's a veteran, obviously, but uh, to have two sacks, score a touchdown, good for him. Definitely, uh, he was definitely the number one reason, I guess we could say, that we were able to beat that great, great Jets team. Um, <laughs> so for the freak of the week, it's the Jets' offense. They were the best player for the Eagles, the entire offense. I mean, it was, an, I just, I can't get all over what I saw. Like, we scored that opening touchdown on our first drive. We forced a three and out. Like, first of all, we forced them three and out where they're not even threatening to get a first down go right down the field and score and you felt like the game was over you just thought in your head I, I don't know if the Jets are going to score a touchdown and they didn't we gave them a touchdown off of a special teams error again which is getting far too common it seems like we have one special teams mishap a game but that's how they scored their touchdown and then it was off a of reverse where they used a misdirection on of course Derek Barnett who for some reason has not learned after three years in the NFL to stop biting on every first motion or first action. But, yeah, I mean, that offense was so bad. And I get it. Like I said, I understand what was going on at quarterback. And I know it's not their fault that their backup quarterback got hurt. But my goodness... Is Luke Falk not an NFL player? And my goodness, is their offensive line just not up to snuff? Uh, I, but that's coaching too. You got to try to figure out ways around it. I mean, Gase didn't even give them a chance. And they were coming off a bye. It's just so unprepared. And 
if they're able to somehow compete with the Cowboys this week, I might have to give Sam Darnold the MVP. I mean, that team was horrible. If they're competitive against anybody the rest of the season, Darnold might be the MVP. Um, but now I do want to talk about the geek of the week, and that is Derek Barnett. Because on the Nathan Gary interception, um, it was a touchdown. And truthfully, it shouldn't have been a touchdown. Not that somebody was going to tackle him. Not that, you know, he got a, a great block or anything. But before he scored, Derek Barnett, for some disturbing mental reason, decided it would be a good idea to take somebody out at the knees. Now, last week, the whole thing was Derek Barnett should have been kicked out of the Green Bay game for a dirty hit, which he should have been. I still think he should have been thrown out of the game. That was a dirty and dangerous hit. But all I had to hear all week was, well, he's not a dirty player. He just has a high motor. Well, defend this because this was an absolutely disgusting, dirty play. Unnecessary and just flat out wrong. Wrong. Like, and I know he was benched subsequently for a series or two afterwards, but this guy's getting a 15 yard personal foul every game. Like, these, this, we're not in, in college anymore. This isn't high school. Like, this guy has to grow up. I just, I don't understand where his head is. That every game he has to do something incredibly stupid and unnecessary. This is now, and again, I get it. The team we were playing, it wouldn't have mattered really anyway. But eventually, one of these penalties is going to come back and bite this team in the ass. It did against the Packers. They scored a touchdown on the drive where he did something absolutely incredibly stupid. Derek Barnett, without question, geek of the week. But let's just preview now an actual football team, the Minnesota Vikings, um, a lot of people, you know, it's nice to go back to the place where you won a Super Bowl. Obviously, a little bit of good feeling up there in Minnesota. But, um, you know, a lot of people think this is going to be a pretty hard game. I'm not of the belief that I think it's going to be, like, incredible to win. I just think that the Eagles match up really well with the Vikings. Like, what they do is run the football. They are great at running the football. They, I mean... Gary Kubiak's their offensive coordinator now. That, that This is what Zimmer wants. He just wants to be a ground-and-pound, tough-it-out team. And, and Dalvin Cook is on another level right now. But if there's one thing our defense does well, it is stopping the run. We've stopped the run all season. In fact, the Eagles are number one in the NFL against the run. I, I This is one of those matchups where their strength goes up against our strength, and it's like, okay, who's better then? Well, yeah, I guess I guess we're going to find out. I just think that in terms of stopping the run, we're better at stopping the run than they are at running the football, and that's not a diss to Minnesota. I just think that's what the Eagles do best, and they do it better than anybody, and that's stopping the run. And I don't expect Minnesota to really alter their game plan too much. That's who they are. They run the football. They've run it all season. I mean... Truthfully, they probably should alter their game plan because if Craig James is playing outside corner, they better attack him. And they have the, the, the wide receivers to do so. Thielen and Diggs are as good a duo as there is in the NFL. Now, do I think that's what they're going to do? No. And do I think Craig James is going to be starting a corner this week? Um, no, I don't. I actually do think 
the name of who I will not speak of will be starting again, number 22. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call him, 22. He doesn't get a name until he's able to play a football game where he actually matters. Yeah, so 22 is going to be back. That might be for a play. That might be for a series. It could be for even a quarter. I don't expect it at all to be a game. There's no chance he lasts the game because that's just not where he is. I mean, when the coach is calling you out, asking about your mental toughness, in the NFL, I can't believe our coach, Doug Peterson, who started, he stirs up no controversy. This week is talking about 22's mental toughness. That's everything you need to know about him. And it's funny that we're talking about the Vikings, and it's funny we're talking about Dalvin Cook. Because if you remember in that draft, the Eagles were, were set to pick Dalvin Cook, and the Vikings had traded up in front of us to pick him. Philadelphia wanted Dalvin Cook. We wanted Christian McCaffrey in that draft. We get Derek Barnett. We don't want to trade up to seven to pick him. Okay. Well, we want a Dalvin Cook. Well, nope. We pick um, torn off an Achilles number 22. There was two guys right there, two game-changing type players that we missed out on at the running back position. And I know we won the Super Bowl, so I don't really complain about it. But my goodness, had we not won a Super Bowl, you'd look back and go, what the hell were we doing? Why didn't we not just give up the assets necessary to get either one of those two players? Because they're game changers. And the only reason Cook isn't held in the regard of a McCaffrey, and I get it, Christian McCaffrey might be the best in the league, but Dalvin Cook, it's because he's just been plagued by injuries. But obviously, when this guy's playing, I mean, look at what he's doing this year. I mean, he's, he's, he's the guy right now. Him and McCaffrey might be the two top guys in the league at running back. It's crazy to say. So, I mean, yes, it makes me feel a little bit better that at least the Eagles had them both targeted and, and really wanted to select both players. It sucks he got none of them. But, I mean, if you really wanted to ask me what Minnesota should do this week, I mean, here's the thing. Cousins has had a lot of success against us. I know everybody likes to, you know, rag on Kirk Cousins, and rightfully so, he brings a lot of it on himself. I mean, he was the highest paid quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he never wins. He's a choke, blah, 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 blah. But for some reason, he always plays good against the Eagles, for the most part. I mean, he's got a 5-3 and three record in games he started against the Eagles. And I know I, I hate the QB win-loss record. I'm just saying. But he's played very well in most of those eight games. I, he's a big part as to why they were able to beat us. Uh so if you're asking me what my game plan would be, I'd, I'd have Cousins air it out for sure. With Thielen and Diggs in those corners we have, I, I'd make them stop us. Or I, I'd make us stop them throwing the football before they went to running it. Again, I don't believe that's what they're going to do. Mike Zimmer does not do that. He does not coach to you. He makes you stop what you uh, what they do first and then adjust. And generally it could be too late. Last year we played Minnesota and they beat us. What was it, twenty-one or twenty-four, twenty-one? And it was a game where we slept, walked through most of the first three quarters. Stupid turnovers, dumb mistakes, dumb drops, blah blah blah. Kind of the story of what these first three weeks of this season were. But again, if you asked me who's going to win the football game, I think we have more talent. I just think the Eagles are a better football team overall than the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm not saying the Vikings are bad by any stretch of the imagination. I actually think they're pretty damn good. I think this is a game that you could see again later this season. That's why winning this game is going to be very important because you want to have this game in Philadelphia. And, you know, as much as I love going to Minnesota in, in, playoffs, in the playoffs, it's, uh, 
it's more advantageous when that game's in February, not in January. Um, so if you wanted my score prediction this week, I'll say the Eagles end up beating the Vikings 27-17. And I think it's going to be pretty close for the most part. I think Vegas has the line at three. It might be down to two and a half. Um, essentially, what they're trying to say is if it was on a neutral field, it'd probably be a pick 'em. Uh, and again, if 22 plays anything worth the crap at corner this week and he could stay on the field, then yeah, then definitely the Eagles can win this game by even more. I just feel that Thielen or Diggs is going to get him once or twice in this game. And you know what? It's funny talking about 22 again because I remember again at the beginning of the season all these people coming at me because I said Rasul Douglas was better than him. Uh, Newsflash, Rasul Douglas is better than everybody at corner on this team. He's not just better than him. And that's something I was wrong about. I, I thought Ronald Darby would be the best corner on this team. I was dead wrong. And that's mainly because maybe Ronald Darby isn't healthy. But it's also because Rasul Douglas is a player. I mean, that guy is a football player. I mean, so lucky in that draft where they drafted 22 that they were able to get Douglas in that third round. And I remember that pick, oh, you know, whatever, that's just for depth. Maybe he'll, he'll turn into a safety. I mean, the guy was only an intercepting machine in college, but he had no chance to be a cornerback. It just it, Sometimes the stuff you hear, you, you, these people who make these evaluations and these people who talk about football, it's like, are you watching football or do you just read what somebody runs in a 40 time and then instantly adjust your mentality to saying, well, if they don't run a 4-3, then they can't play in the NFL. Because there's guys all over the field that don't run 4-3s. In fact, Minnesota's two wide receivers, I just said how good that duo is, Thielen and Diggs. Uh, one was like a fifth-round pick and the other was undrafted. People find gems. They don't always have to be first and second round picks. And Douglas for sure is a gem that the Eagles found because not only is he going to be the best corner this year, he's going to be a corner here for a long time. That's somebody I'm locking up. I'm not letting Rasul Douglas leave this building. That guy is a player. He's a big physical cornerback. And he has that it mentality. He's not afraid to be put on an island. And you could see how much better he is since he's now learning how to, to study players on film um, it, it's just like, it's incredible to see the stuff that he was getting beat with last year when he first got inserted into the starting lineup versus now where it's like, he's night and day, just a completely different player. Very lucky to have him. I mean, you saw it in that Saints game, in the playoff game, when he came off the field, that's when New Orleans got hot. He doesn't get hurt. We're playing in the NFC title game. That's, that's a stone cold lock. That's a fact. And now to look at what we have to do on the other side of the ball to win this game, to ensure we're able to win this football game. It's offensively, we are in trouble. It's just we have no downfield threat whatsoever on offense anymore. And I get it. We're playing without Deshaun Jackson. He's the greatest deep ball threat of all time. Um, but it's just crazy to think, like, you know, at last season... I thought Mike Wallace would be an upgrade from Torrey Smith. Mike Wallace gets hurt in game two, never gets to play with Alshon Jeffrey, never plays even with Carson Wentz. We never find out. This year we go and get Deshaun. Great, like unbelievable first game. Those two 50-yard touchdowns. It's just like you saw that offense in the second half and all you could think of is this is what this team is going to be. 
this is great. We're finally going to be the offense we were two years ago and maybe even better now that we have the all-time greatest deep ball threat on our team. And he has what they're calling an abdominal strain, which to me sounds like a sports hernia. He has refused to get surgery. And I get why, because then he feels he could come back quicker without getting surgery. So what I heard is if he had gotten surgery, it would have been a seven to eight week injury. But then he's healthy. Versus rehabbing it, which means he could come back potentially sooner. But my question is, if he comes back, let's just say next week against the Cowboys, that's that's six weeks. So it's like, why not just get the damn surgery if this is how long it was going to take? And I'm sure he didn't anticipate it would take this long. I'm sure he was told it wouldn't take this long. And now what I'm hearing is, even when he does come back, if, you know, I believe Adam Kaplan said that it'll be something like where his pain scale on a 1 to 10 will be, or if 10's healthy and, and 1's unhealthy, that he'll be at about a 7, 7.5 at best. And that's with him not playing, just like getting back on the field. So, I mean, once he's playing, who knows, a stretch here, a stretch there. I mean, how much pain that can cause, what the adverse effect will be. That's why I'm, you're, you're seeing these rumors now where the Eagles are supposedly interested in guys like, you know, an A.J. Green. You're going to hear a bunch of Bengals names associated with the Eagles going forward because they're going to trade guys, supposedly, and we're looking to make trades. But an A.J. Green. And I get it. Yeah, A.J. Green might not be the downfield deep threat, that they want, but A.J. Green is a threat nonetheless. And if you add him with Jeffrey and then Jackson could go even more inside and play the slot position, uh, clearly, yeah, you do that trade. And if they're asking for just a second-round pick, which somebody tried to float around, yes, you do that trade. A.J. Green is incredible. I- incredible, and he's underrated as hell. Um, people think he's a little washed. I don't think that at all. I just think that the quarterback he's had for his whole career is horrible. Um, give him Carson Wentz. And not just give him Carson Wentz. You're going to put Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Deshaun Jackson. Um, you're going to wrap those guys around him. AJ Green will eat. That's a move I would love to see the Eagles do. If you're going to make one trade on offense, and again, at the beginning of the year, I didn't think this would have to happen, but again, I don't know what Deshaun's health is going to be going forward. If you could assure me he's going to come back and be healthy and we're not going to have anything to worry about, then yeah, maybe you don't make a trade on offense. But that's a big question. And then even if it is that he's going to be healthy, if you get an A.J. Green, now we're really cooking. Because, I mean, that's what the thought was when you drafted Ortega Whiteside. Is I mean, yeah, you didn't think he'd be A.J. Green right off the bat. But you thought, man, this guy's going to go win every 50-50 ball because that's what he did in college. And that's what A.J. Green does. I love A.J. Green. If that's a trade that they can make, I hope to God they make it, and I'd love to see them include a guy like a William Jackson or a Drake Kirkpatrick in the trade as well because I do not trust what's going to come back at corner for us. And everybody's getting a little all happy that, yo, Jalen Mills is coming back. Yeah. I mean, I like Jalen Mills. He won me a Super Bowl start and outside. I will always have respect for Jalen Mills, but he was bad last year. So if the Bengals are willing to make some trades, that's definitely a team I'm talking to because I know this whole Jalen Ramsey thing. Mike, you know, Khan said today he'll maybe now, I guess, entertain the idea, I guess, supposedly of possibly trading Ramsey, whatever. I don't know. I, I think I'm more out on that now, and I'd be more focused on, on getting a guy like an A.J. Green and maybe trying to get a cornerback from the Bengals as well. And you're not giving up two first-round picks then to do it. 
Um, but on offense too, our offensive line needs to play better. I'd been raving about our offensive line for a couple weeks. I thought they were incredible against Green Bay. And it just looked like they did not give a damn about the Jets because they played bad. Even Brandon Brooks. I, I You never see Brandon Brooks make mental errors. And he made two mental errors in this football game that I couldn't believe. Just missing, you know, stunts that the Jets were running on, on the defense line and getting Carson Wentz hit. Like, this was a game we were lucky that Carson Wentz didn't get hurt. He was hit a lot. A lot, a lot. They looked just, like, so confused on the offensive front. It's like, it's almost like, did you take this for granted, this game? I mean, after watching it, I can understand why anybody would take it for granted. They were clearly going to beat New York. There was just no if, and, or but about it. They knew that team had zero on offense. But still, I mean, that doesn't give you the right to get your quarterback killed. I mean, if you're watching uh, on our offense, too, if you're watching Jeffrey run, you can just tell he's nowhere near 100%. And he just looks slow out there. And I get why he looks slow. It's because his damn leg is hurt. Uh, Aguilar is... Uh, I don't even want to get started. I mean, this whole thing about a deep threat, I mean, you would think Nelson Aguilar would be somebody who could help with that, considering you know he's got a lot of speed. But it's just clear as day that Nelson Aguilar has a lot of trouble tracking the football when it's in the air deep. He's done it since his rookie season. He's never been good at tracking the football. It, it harkens me back to when he was a rookie. Or no, not a rookie. His second year, Wentz's rookie year. We were 3-0. and We had a game up in Detroit. Um, the referees were atrocious in this football game. I remember our penalty discrepancy was 14-2, to which is impossible. So the referees really took the game. We fumbled the ball where... It was out of bounds, and it looked like it was touching Kelsey, and they gave it to Detroit still, blah, blah, blah. But regardless, we had the ball with a chance to win, and Carson threw a deep ball to Nelson Aguilar, and it it ended up being intercepted, and it wasn't like the greatest pass of all time, but it's like Nelson was right there. That ball should have never been intercepted, and it was because he could not track the football that it got intercepted, and he's never tracked the football since. He's never been a deep threat. And you even saw it in the game with Washington. I remember there was a play where this season where Aguilar had busted wide open, Deshaun had busted open, and you know it looked like the safety was even going a little bit more towards Deshaun, and Carson said, screw it, he still threw it to Deshaun. It ended up being a touchdown, but it's just to show you that even he knows. If it comes to, I have a 75% chance with Deshaun versus a, you know there's going to be nobody even around Nelson, I'm going to still take that shot with Deshaun because I know at least he knows where the football is. And these last two games, it's been apparent that Carson Wentz does not trust Nelson Aguilar. I mean, we've needed him to be a guy here in these last two games, and he has had zero impact. And I know the touchdown, uh, the deep ball in the Jets game, that could have been a touchdown, that they challenged the pass interference, and it was clearly a penalty. But it was like, you could see even on that ball, like he had no clue where the football was in the air. It's to the point where if Wentz doesn't put it in his hands in stride, he can't find it. He can't make a play on it. That's why an A.J. Green trade is a good thing. And if, if you have to deal a Nelson Aguilar in that trade, you do it. The Nelson Aguilar experiment looks like it's, it's run its course. And again, I hope I eat my words. I hope to God he ends up going bonkers here these next six weeks through this hard stretch of games. And, you know, he makes me look like a fool. I will be so happy to eat my words. I hope he finds it. We need him to. I, I don't know if he does. I mean, I'm a USC football fan. I love watching them. I've watched him play in college. I thought when we got him, this was a steal. He was so great in college. 
he had so much confidence and it's like his confidence erodes. And then when we won the Super Bowl that year, you thought, oh, he found it because yes, he played with confidence again. But now it's eroding again. And you see when he erodes, his his floor is a floor. I mean, his ceiling's all right, but his floor is a floor. Like it is a beyond basement level floor. Uh, and I know Doug this week also, you know, talking about our running game. Declared Jordan Howard the lead running back, I guess, sort of. Um, it's still going to be him and Sanders, and if Sanders gets hot, he'll get the ball. But, you know, he's going to actively try to give Jordan Howard the ball more. And, and I was somebody saying, you know, I think Sanders should get the ball more. But, you know, the way Jordan's running, <laughs> there's no wrong answer here. I mean, I, I would try to keep it going the way it's been going. I think it's working the way it's working, but Jordan Howard's a bull. It's clear when he gets the football, people are getting run over. He's initiating contact. It blows my mind the Bears gave him to us. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. But I'm starting to get on the belief, too, that maybe Jordan Howard, this whole, oh, he's only going to be here for a year thing, maybe that that's not what this is. Maybe we lock Jordan Howard up. Maybe we make him and Sanders a duo. I, I You see in the NFL, it's most teams are a two-running back system. You know, it's rare nowadays that you get the Elliots, the Barkleys, the McCaffreys. I mean, look at New Orleans. Kamara splits with Murray. He was splitting for two years with Ingram. It's good to have options back there. And if you have two guys that are completely different in the way they play, one is a bulldozer and the other's more elusive. It works. It absolutely works. So, yes, as of right now, I'd be looking as the Eagles to just sign Jordan Howard. Why worry about something? Why create a hole when you don't need to? You have the guy in the building. I don't think he's going to be expensive to keep anyway. And he's a damn good runner. I mean, I don't I don't even want to know where the season would be if we didn't have Jordan Howard. But other than that, on offense, uh, you know, Carson Wentz has to be better. I mean, he, he was not good against the Jets. I mean, he played a bad football game. I know he made a couple great plays in that game, but he was bad. He missed a lot of throws. And if you've seen the All-22, there was a play where um, Howard leaked out. And, you know, I've seen a couple people comment on it this week that if he throws this check down, it's 15 yards. He ended up taking a sack. And, yeah, yep, that's the truth. And, again, that's just one play. There were a couple plays where he missed a couple guys, I mean, running open. But, I, I mean, our receivers weren't really getting the most separation. It wasn't like. There was a game where I saw years ago where Foles played against Jaguars and there were guys running wide open and you could just tell he wasn't seeing the field at all. It was a game we were losing 17-0 in the first half, ironically, and ended up blasting Jacksonville in the second half and winning. But that first half, there were so many guys running open and it wasn't anything like that. But Carson Wentz was... This was probably his worst football game of the season. And hey, if his worst football game is him not turning the ball over and we win by 25, sign me up. That's good. That's real good. Um, but again, we're going to obviously need to play a million times better on offense. Our offense line is going to have to be really good. I mean, the Vikings got a lot of talent in, on their defense. I mean, their defense line is really good. Um, Hunter's good. Um, their linebackers, obviously, Kendricks and Barr are good. You know, their secondary, Harrison Smith, he's, he's, a, he's a pounder. I mean, they, they got a lot of talent. Their corners are good. I mean, this is a team we played in the NFC title game two years ago. Clearly, they have a lot of talent. They didn't get worse. I mean, I, I get it that they missed the playoffs last year. Well, they missed the playoffs, remember, by because they lost their last week. I mean, they, they should have very well it was easily been a playoff team. It came down to us and them again. 
Um, this is going to be a big test. And our, our offense shows up, like I said, I, I see us winning this game 27-17. I just feel that's going to be the score. Uh, I hope we figure out a way to get the ball downfield, whether it be having a guy like Matt Collins running, just run a go. I mean, even if it's going to be incomplete, Carson does have to throw the ball at least 20 yards down the field four to five times in this game. He has to pull their secondary back. He has to give us a chance to run the football by showing that the safeties can now play eight in the box. That's what they did. This is what Minnesota does. And in that game, we played them in the NFC title game two years ago. What happened was Nick aired the ball out a couple times. And once we stretched them out a little bit, everything opened up. Once Harrison Smith had to go one-on-one with Zach Ertz, that was a problem for them. They got to the point where they were trying to play zone. It, it, it wrecked them mentally. Yes, I get it. You know, if you had Deshaun, it's one thing. But, you know, Matt Collins, hey, man, that's why you drafted him. He's a front line. He's just a straight line runner. Give the guy a chance. So, like I said, every week I finish these things with a wrestler quote. Like I said, I'm a big wrestling fan. Um, And, you know, since this one feels good to me because, you know, we won the Super Bowl in this building. It's true. It's damn true. So let's repeat. Let's win another football game up in Minnesota. And then next week we can worry about taking the division by the horns. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Most importantly, fly, Eagles, fly.